Do you appreciate your pastors? The one and only. Ain't nobody like him. Ain't nobody like that man. I mean, there are, I'm, I'm quite um, energetic myself, despite my size. That man is the same every time I see him. Incredible, wonderful, encouraging, and uplifting. For those of you who have never met me, my name is Woody Robinson, and I've only been preaching since I was 18 years old. I'm older than that now. I want you to do something for me while I can see you do it and while the person next to you can see you do it. Touch the person next to you and look them straight in the eye and say, he's going to be preaching to you today. You've done it for years in church anyway. At least you'll tell them to their face. The preacher is preaching to you. I know you've got it all together. You've got it worked out. They need this. Thank God you brought them. They're here today. God brought me to preach to them. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Everybody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody say glory. Glory. Everybody say "Mm, mm, mm." All right. That gives you something to say. Before you leave today, if you'll visit the product table out front. I will give you half price on your second item. Not the first item, but the second item. That way, that goes to prove that you buy a first item, and then I'll give you half price on the second item. Everybody say, second item, half price. Go to Acts chapter 16. For the next three and a half hours, I'm going to try to preach. But now, if you let me know that I'm doing pretty good, I'll cut it short. You'll notice I started at three and a half. We're haggling. You can cut it down to three just with a good amen. Amen. With a good amen. Amen. You could cut it down to two and a half with a good glory. Glory. Oh, see, we're down to two and a half already. Look how y'all are doing so good. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 16, verse 16 through 26. Now it happened as they went to pray... That a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us who brought us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. The girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Now that sounds nice, but in reality she was mocking them. It amazes me how much of society is actually mocking the church. They're actually mocking our savior. Verse 18 and this she did for many days, but Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour, verse 19. But when her masters saw that all the hope for profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them to the marketplace and to the authorities. They brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. They teach customs which are not lawful for us being Romans to receive or to even observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And they had laid many stripes on them, and they threw them into prison. This is why Paul could never get somebody to go on two missionary trips. I I, I like the missionary trips where we go and we build a church, or, or we go and we preach to hundreds, or we preach to thousands. And those are great missionary trips, and I've preached in Africa, and I've preached in the Philippines, and I've even preached in Louisiana. God has sent me all over the world. 
But if you go with Paul, you get your clothes torn off and they beat you until blood runs out of you. And that's hard to get people to go back. It's hard to sign up because that's not a cruise that says, get beaten. And we have to be careful because we want a comfortable Christianity and Jesus never promised comfortable. That was one, one good come on and one amen. We're back up to three hours, folks. And commanding the jailer to keep them securely, verse 24, having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison, fastened their feet in stocks, and at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing. Wait a minute, that, that's got to be wrong. It must have, they'd just been beaten. They just have their to- clothes ripped off of them. Their bodies are bleeding. It must really say Paul and Silas were griping and complaining. Paul and Silas were going to quit church and never go back there again. Paul and Silas was going to stop. Oh, wait, wait a minute. Paul and Silas were bitter and angry. Even in the middle of the problem... The call is for us to be praying and singing. Finish verse 25 and God. And the prisoners were listening to them, so they weren't praying silently. Enough with this silent stuff. Let's get back to being loud. Verse 26, then suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everybody's chains were loosed. I want to talk today about something special. Everybody say something special. Everybody say somebody special. Now turn to the person close to you say he's talking to you today. We, we know that earlier in Acts chapter 16, that around verse, um, around verse 9 and verse 10, Paul has had a vision that they are to go to Macedonia. So they go to Macedonia, they go to the capital, which is Philippi, which we get the book of Philippians. Paul writes from there later on. And then all of a sudden, as they get there, they are being very careful to follow the vision of God. So they go there and they start their ministry and they're preaching and they're singing and they're casting out devils and good things are happening. And they go and do what God God told them to do, and they got beaten, they got their clothes torn off, they got stripes laid on them, and they're thrown into prison for doing exactly what God called them to do. As Christians in America, we better learn to be uncomfortable and be ready to be committed to the gospel above all things. Put me in prison, ostracize me, cut me off Facebook, I don't care. I will sing out loud. I will pray out loud. I will proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just because God tells you to do it does not make it easy. Doesn't mean it'll be trouble free. Doesn't mean you'll do it without hardships. Paul and Silas are preaching. And still get thrown in jail. In the will of God. Beaten. In the will of God. Blood dripping out of their body. Doing the right thing. Sometimes being right hurts. Paul Paul had cast out a spirit that was controlling the young lady. And he wasn't being politically correct. He wasn't being tolerant of her personal decision. He's speaking the gospel in truth, and then they were charged that they're teaching customs that are not lawful to receive. So now their charge is they're teaching something or preaching something that isn't lawful. Are we going to be pretty soon teaching something that's not lawful? 
Are we already on the border of preaching something that's not accepted? These men were shackled because of what they preached. And the church in this day and time will be no different. They will try to shackle us. They will try to shut us down. They will try to tell us not to say certain things. But I am here to remind the church of Jesus Christ right here today at the Lord's house that regardless of what the world does, we will preach the gospel. All across the church world, we are being shackled politically. We are being shackled to keep our opinion to ourselves. We are being ridiculed that if we ever speak out, the modern society has turned against the church, believing that we are doing something evil. God sent two preachers to Philippi. God sent two spirit-filled, tongue-talking, laying hands on the sick, praying out devils, praying out loud, preaching out loud, praising out loud, and they got thrown into prison. The preachers got thrown into prison. Prison surrounded by convicted criminals. Surrounded by the profane and the perverted. In prison surrounded by the abuser and the addicted. Surrounded by angry, bitter, critical and cynical. But God expected the preachers to uphold a standard even when they were in the prison. And I'm here to remind you that even at your job, uphold a standard. Even in your home, uphold the standard. Wherever you go, uphold the standard. God expects you to go into a bad place and uphold the standard. And yet too many Christians start acting like the prisoners Touch your neighbor say he's not talking about me He's talking about you God sent two preachers to the most To the place that had the most bondage God had just put two preachers Into the place that had the most bondage But that's okay, because I remember when the Bible says where the Spirit is, there is liberty. Where the Spirit of God is, there will still be joy. Where the Spirit of God is, we can move and change things. God does not allow you to use your failure as an excuse to not use your calling. Tweet that. Not sure what that means, but all the kids do. God does not let you use your mistake, your location, a bad situation, a difficulty or a circumstance to excuse your calling. You are still called of God. Don't let anything, don't let multiple failures stop you. Don't let a family history stop you. Don't let an opinion stop you. Don't let somebody's religious spirit stop you. You keep doing what God has called you to do. You may have failed, but get down on your knees, repent, get up and start again. Don't quit, don't stop, keep going. Do what God is calling you to do. Somebody clap your hands and give God a praise. I I know that you know this already, but I'm here to remind you that the church of Jesus Christ is under a demonic attack. It always has been and it always will be. It is trying to stop the gospels, trying to stop prayer, trying to stop our standards, trying to stop our praise, our worship, trying to stop our message, and trying to stop our expression. And like Paul and Silas, then the modern church will be beaten and we will be bound, and they will try to stop us from preaching the real gospel and from singing real songs that talk about power in the blood and free from sin. But I'm here to remind us that we're not here to act like the world. We're here to act like Jesus. I know that we live in a, a different world even than what I grew up in. We're surrounded with political correctness and the modern thought of tolerance and the legalized slaughter of the unborn and the promoting of same-sex marriage and the 
undermining of the moral fiber of our country when we have accepted transgenderism or the indoctrination of a generation into sadistic Marxism or we have fostered a demonic hatred toward all Christians. They have made the blaspheming of the name of Jesus socially acceptable. You can do anything on television except lift up the name of Jesus and too many people spend more money on Netflix to watch horror horror films and allow this and allow demonic influence into their house. They pay more money in Netflix than they do in tithing. And for being the Bible-believing church, we're going to be subjected to all manner of indignities. We'll be subjected to ridicule and mockery from every place, from the media to Hollywood, to the movies, to the political arena. We will be ridiculed for what we believe. But I'm here to encourage you and lift you up and say that even though that the enemy rages against us, stand strong in the power of the Lord and in the power of His might and don't back down from the principle. Principles of God. A recent speech at the headquarters of Google, the search engine, an LGBT activist, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender activist promised, I'm going to figure out how to stop pastors and churches from offering conversion therapy. He said, and I quote, I will make silencing the pastors culturally acceptable. And where Satan can't stop the gospel, then he seeks to change the gospel and define, redefine the meanings that we all know to be true and, if, and, and the gospel is built on. Cultural fads are trying to redefine the gospel because when Satan can't make you forget God, he'll redefine God. If he can't stop you from going to church, then he'll try to make you mentally bound or emotionally bound or spiritually dry or, or, or lessen the message of the gospel. And the Pentecostal spirit-filled experience has two great enemies from the entire time that I've been involved in it and I was born into a Pentecostal home. We fight formalism and we fight being too casual at the same time. If you are too formal, then what happens is that we, we, we push out all of the expression. We're too stuffy. We're too intellectual. We don't allow for anything. We want God to move only between 1145 and 1150 because we got to hurry up and get out of here. And we don't want it to be too loud and we don't want it to go too long. And so we, we, we become formalized. And so Satan then pushes the gospel into formalism or he switches and makes it so casual that nothing is important. And we must be careful that we're not imitating a godless culture that we're trying to... I do want us to always have our arms open. We want the lost to come in, but we don't have to change our standard of what godliness is just for somebody that's lost to come to Jesus. There are false teachers that are attacking the foundations of faith that even if they can't get us to stop it, they try to redefine it. The truth is that we're being challenged to redefine Basic words that we all know to be true like sin or salvation or heaven or hell or grace or faith. They're all being redefined and we have to be careful that we don't go along with the redefinitions. Let let, let me give you an example. No one is lost anymore 
we're just unchurched. No one is a sinner because we don't want to offend anyone. They're just non-believers. I'm sorry, I was a sinner. I had to come to Jesus. Sin is not a violation of God's law. It's just a social maladjustment. Grace is no longer the Lord delaying judgment and giving opportunity to the sinful man to repent. No, 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 no. Now grace is the divine cover-up for the ungodly lifestyle. Hell is not a literal place of torment anymore. Nope. Hell now is a metaphoric phrase to describe extreme unpleasantness of the moment. Perversion is not an abomination. No, 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 no. It's a life choice. It has civil rights and no eternal consequence. Heaven is not a city where Jesus is the light, but just another dimension where everybody goes to enjoy an eternal vacation. I refuse these redefinitions. I refuse these redefinitions. Jesus is being minimized and we are more concerned with being culturally relevant. But I'm not worried about being culturally relevant. I want God to make sure he doesn't find me being irreverent. Too many have reduced the Lord Jesus Christ to just some status of some Eastern mystic or, or, or regarded him as nothing more than a social revolutionary. But in fighting formalism and casualness in the church, we have to be careful because with formal, we become too rigid. We're too stuffy. We, we, we're based everything on our intellect. And it's when you, the knowledge of God will bring you smarter things, but you have to be careful because the ways of God are higher than your ways and God will use the foolish things to confound the wise. So we have to be careful that we're not too formal and then we have to be careful that we are not too casual. Everybody say there's a balance. Everybody say he's talking about you. We wrestle against a formal attitude or we wrestle against a casual attitude. And I'm not talking about clothes. I am for everyone wearing clothes to church. Say amen. I don't care what shirt you're wearing. Wear a shirt. It's not optional. Could have got a better amen there. I would prefer it be clean. If it's not, we'll give you some Ajax when you get done in church. Everybody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about how you dress. Everybody likes certain things. People like some other things. There's some stuff I wouldn't wear if you gave them to me. Why? My body don't fit in skinny jeans. I don't. I feel confined. I feel like I've been beaten and put into stocks and bonds and can't move. Already can't move. I don't need you to push on me. Make me not breathe when I'm eating. I got to have room. I'm a full gospel preacher. Come on, somebody. I'm glad if you can wear them. I'm proud for you, but I'm not wearing them. Not doing it. We have to be careful because... We don't want the world to define our righteousness in God. We want Jesus to define our righteousness in Him. 
If we're too formal, it's dangerous. If we're too casual, it's dangerous. But I ask you, it's never wrong to be respectful and to express ourselves adequately when we come to church. And if we believe that Jesus has saved us from sin, if we believe that Jesus has saved us from a devil hell, if he's broken a bondage, if he's broken an addiction, if he's kept your life out of despair, then is it is it disrespectful to clap out loud and sing out loud and raise both hands and dance a little dance? or cry down at the altar. I believe it's respectful to express to our God how we feel. Isn't it respectful that if a policeman has to wear a uniform and and a soldier has to wear a uniform before defending the country and a judge has to put on a robe before he takes the bench, shouldn't the redeemed of the Lord come to church as if we're thankful that Jesus has saved us from our sin? I'm talking about respect and reverence and the fear of the Lord. Because I'm not worried about what the world thinks. I'm worried about what God thinks. We, we battle formalism. We battle being casual. And, and, and so I, I like casual. I, I like to be comfortable. I, I like for my clothes to be loose-fitting. I do. Why? Because I'm from Texas and it's hot and I sweat a lot. So if I'm too formal, then I'm all stuffy and I'm sweating through clothes and it's going to cost me $14 to get it dry cleaned. So I don't want the Lord to think I'm disrespectful if I'm not here in a three-piece suit. I hope he still extends me grace and mercy. I want to be casual, but I don't want to be flippant in my attitude. So, Brother Samuel, I, I, I went to the Oxford Dictionary. Them people are smart. Does everyone agree, Oxford Dictionary, those people are smart? Raise your hand. Okay. One of you? Okay. Oxford is a great big university in England, and there are smart people there. You people from East Texas, you know smart stuff. Don't act like you don't. I met a guy in the foyer. He knows how to blow up stuff. Be nice to him. All right, casual, as defined by the Oxford Dictionary. To be relaxed. How many like to be relaxed? Okay, that's good. To be unconcerned. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now, I'm not unconcerned. To be irregular. Well, I'm already irregular. I mean, that's, I met some of y'all too. <laughs> not permanent. Oh, no, no, that's not Jesus. Without emotional intimacy. I don't want to be casual about Jesus. I don't want to be casual and have no emotional intimacy. No emotional intimacy and no commitment. Casual. Ah, no, 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 that's not me and Jesus. And the final part of the definition of casual as defined by Oxford University is nothing special. Ah. That's when the preacher part hit me. 
because I got a problem with that definition. I, 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 I do want to be able to pray when it's 110 degrees in August and I'm mowing my yard and I think the fires of hell are about to consume me. I want to pray, God send a breeze. God send some iced tea. God help me. I should have got a way better amen from over here. I don't want to... I don't want anybody to think that I think Jesus is nothing special. I don't want to be so casual that we think that Jesus is nothing special. We, we have to be careful about the casualness of our lives because Uzzah struck down by God because he touched the Ark of the Covenant as it was falling. You, you, um, 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 Uzziah was struck by leprosy because he casually entered the Holy of Holies. Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Luke were struck down because they casually regarded their offering unto God. Belshazzar had a party in Babylon where he brought the cups and the, and, and the, and, and the instruments from the temple and he had a party and he drank wine from a cup that was designed to be in the Holy of Holies and God struck him down and made him be a wanderer like a beast in the field for seven years because he was casually handling the things of God. The church in Laodicea was casual and God was, was, was not impressed with their casual ways and he said, you're lukewarm and I'll spew you out of my mouth. I don't want it to be nothing special. I believe it's something special. The relationship of his name the relationship of his worship Jesus is something special his birth was something special his miraculous ministry was something special his crucifixion was something special he raised on the third day something special he's the mediator between God and man he's something special I wish somebody would clap your hands and give God a praise if you think he is something special He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's supreme and he's unique. There's no one like him, no one equal to him. He deserves special praise. He deserves a special worship. He deserves a special shout. He deserves a special dance. Somebody say he's somebody special. That name is a special name because no other name by by which man can be saved. That blood is special blood. That blood is the forgiveness of sin. His word is a special word. He sent his word and it healed them. God is not interested in in you being casual. He's interested in you being committed. Hallelujah. God's not going to tear down strongholds if we're tearing down every standard. But I'm here to remind us and uplift us that judgment will begin in the house of God. And I'm here to remind us today, pursue holiness. Be instant in season and out of season. Preach Jesus Christ, Him crucified and Him risen from the dead. Follow truth and not the trends. Go for the Spirit. Follow the anointing. Don't preach philosophy. Don't preach psychology. But preach the Word of God. Because the word of God is something special. We're here to remind you that there's victory over flesh. Victory over the world. And victory over the devil. Zechariah said it's not by might, not by power. But by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not casual. It's something special. Don't let anything shut you up. Don't let anything shut you down. Don't let anything stop you. Don't let culture, not church politics... 
not, 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 not any kind of intimidation, not fear, not grief, not sorrow, not disappointment, not opposition, not sickness, not distress. But remember, Jesus is something special. He deserves to be followed. He deserves to be praised. He deserves to be worshipped. Because in every single day, we remember that we fear the Lord. We don't fear man. We love God and we don't love the world. We win the lost and we edify the believer. We awake the unsaved. We, we inform the ignorant. We call back the backslider. We have fervency, passion, and power. We love the lost, yet we hate the sin. We pray the hinges off the gates of hell. We bind every stronghold by Satan until it crumbles like dust. We remind victims that Jesus turns them into victors. We remind the wayward that Jesus turned them into way makers. We don't fear anything. We call out fear. We cast down demons. We cast down any unbelief. We free the confused. We defeat every stronghold in the name of Jesus because he is something special. Hallelujah. Turn to three people say he's something special. That's only two people. I said three. Turn to three. Say something special. The band can come back to the platform. I'm here to remind you today that this is something special. It's important. It's eternal. It's life changing. And the enemy only has two tricks make you too formal or make you too casual. He'll push any church one way or the other. And it's difficult. We have to balance things. There do need to be some formalities. We do need to have a start time. We do need to have all the band members in the same key. We do need to vacuum the floor and have fresh toilet papers in the bathroom. Somebody say amen. Amen. There needs to be formalism. We need to have the electricity on. There has to be a form. There is a form of godliness that doesn't deny the power thereof. But we can't be so formal that we don't allow people to say, I want that kind of Jesus. And I don't want to be so casual that we find him not important. That we're not sure if we're going to church. We're not sure if we're going to pay tithes. We're not really sure if we're going to pray. We're not really sure if we're going to praise. We're not really sure if we're going to... There comes a point where we have to break the casualness off of our life and say he is more important than everything. He is more important than my mind. He is more important than my week. He is more important if I had a bad day or a bad experience. He's more important if I lost my job. He's more important if my car broke down. He's more important if I spent three weeks in the hospital. He's still more important than any casual thing that I'm going through or experiencing. He is something 